Good afternoon and good evening, and welcome to the Coach's Corner. I'm here with the Coaches of Endurance Lab to bring you what's happening in the Coach's Lab. I've got on the phone, I've got Taya, Andrea, and Mitch. I want to welcome everyone here, and um, just get a quick update from everybody on what was going on this week for them um, uh, with, beside the Endurance Lab. So, Taya, what did you have going on this week? Hey, everyone. So, this week has been some more training. Um I'm in another building week in terms of intensity and hard work. So uh, pretty much that, uh, pretty quiet, knock on wood, not a lot going on. So able to focus a lot on uh, building up the uh, eight-week plan for the next lab. Yeah, a lot of us have definitely been busy working hard for all of you guys to make sure that you've got a great um, part two of all of this. So definitely look forward to that. Mitch, um, I know you're recovering there. You feeling better? Yeah, I'm getting there. Uh, you know, so I, I thought I had beat the cold last Friday when we did the coach's corner and uh, woke up on Saturday and was miserable and knocked out for the entire weekend and, and really took my own advice and, and tried to eat healthy, get a lot of rest. And when I started working out again, I dialed the intensity back and, and, and really did the workouts and the best I could and, you know, did a lot of zone two and just kind of easy stuff to, to feel like I was working, but not to tax the system too much. Awesome. Great job. All right, Andrea, so tell us the weather's better where you're at, huh? No, it was so bad yesterday. <laughs> um, with the fog, I couldn't even see where I was running. It was um, interesting. Kept me in the present moment. But just the same here, working away on fitting in all the training sessions, adding a bit more tempo work into my running, making sure that I'm on track with my goals for nutrition. I'm trying to focus on getting more and more good stuff in. So, yeah. Just hard working, yeah. But it's good. Awesome, <laughs> awesome. And for me, um, just some new changes as far as my um, kind of position at um, kind of work. So really good example of trying to balance between the stress of still trying to train and the stress of like life. So it's a big position change for me, um, kind of into a new office, into a new position. So really trying to balance that stress and um, trying to make sure I'm still getting the the work in. Um, so it definitely can work. It's tough. Um, some things kind of fall off the burn. Plate. Um, but for all of us with stress, with life, um, with work, all of those things, these are all things that we all juggle um, as endurance athletes, kind of like the way we are. So let's jump straight in into um, the lab. Um, Ian has actually is on a plane um, headed to a, do a fitness test from what we understand. But he dropped a couple notes about muscular endurance. Um, I'm sorry, excuse me, about the strength from this week. And I'm going to go ahead and cover those quickly. Um, really focus this week on muscular endurance, really getting those muscles tired and used to being that time under tension. Um, so very, very important. And one of the things he wanted to note was that by now, some of these exercises um, should be getting easier. Easier in the way that maybe you're able to do a couple more reps or easier in the fact that, that um, the day after or even um, kind of the 24 to 48 hours, you may not feel as fatigued um, as you did, let's say, five weeks ago. So really take a note of that. Take a mental cue saying how you feel. So really focus on good form. Take your time. Um, a lot of times uh, you can easily try to get caught up in trying to finish 
finish the workout in time or in a very fast pace, but taking your time and maintaining this good form. This is something that a lot of the workouts you'll see again if you continue the lab with us, and we hope you all do. Um, you are going to see a lot of these workouts, and of course, these movements are critical and crucial um, to what we're doing. So um, definitely look at good form for that. But look forward to continuing these uh, movements and just having that strong base that we're, we're building there. Um, next up, we've got base work and kind of just an overview of the workouts that we had this week. Taya, what, what were we looking at this week? We had an outstanding week in the standpoint, from a standpoint of doing a little bit of everything. So we worked on cadence drills. We did single legged drills combined with high cadence. We also did low cadence work and we did sweet spot. So this was a good week to combine all of the skills and uh, zones that we've been training throughout this lab. Absolutely. And we'll talk more about that um, SST that everyone's got on their, their mind here in just a little bit. Um, and a quick recap of um, the mental skills. Nate Lass has been really active as far as kind of engaging with um, some of our writers. They have had some talks of people reaching out to him. So I thank him for all of his contributions um, from Mental Grit Consulting. Um, one of the things he talked about this week, and I want everyone to go back and take, take a look at that post. There are some comments there about deliberate focus journaling. Essentially, it's the same way that we make sure that we're journaling or writing down our workouts, gaining an understanding of how much stress we're doing and what kind of work we're doing. Um, he wants us to take a look and make sure that we're writing things down, writing what our focuses are, making sure we're hitting our goals, um, and just understanding kind of what am I going to focus on, things that went well, things that we want to do better. These are a lot of the conversation that us as coaches reach out to our athletes and ask them um, you know, after a workout, after an A race, you know, tell us what went well. Tell us what you want to do better. All of those things um, are in the mix. So go back to that post um, here um, on mental skills. Um, if not, check out at least, um, go back and check out Nate Last and Mental Grit Consulting to at least get some more information here. It's a great, great resource, and we talk about it every week, and a lot of us have pointed athletes in that direction. Um, all right, let's move to hot topics in the lab. We've got some big topics to talk about. We're going to start um, talking about seated versus standing interval. So, Taya, tell us a little about what you found and what we feel like are has come from the lab and are the conversation there. So, with the uh, strength steps workout that we had this week, if you recall from the uh, video that uh, was posted on the forum explaining the workout, uh, we gave you the option to do the intervals seated or standing. So, those were two minutes on, one off that you could have done all seated or alternate between standing and seated, two minutes, standing, two minutes, seated, or even within the two minutes, one standing, one seated. Now, what's really the purpose for that, right? And I find that uh, as I work with a lot of athletes, standing is something that people don't work on very often, uh, if at all. And it goes, and it's another tool in your toolbox, really. And it's something that uh, over time is good to develop. So, a couple of advantages of uh, doing standing intervals is once you're outside, that will help you climbing, right, with climbing hills. It will help you with accelerating, um, not only on the hills, but also on the flats. You can get out and accelerate that way because you can produce more force. It's a way of stretching your legs for uh, when you're tired or when it's a long ride by recruiting different muscle groups. 
to offset the uh, development of cramp and fatigue in some of the other groups, uh, muscle groups. So standing will also allow you to uh, stretch and lengthen your spine for a couple of seconds. Um, it's a postural break. So with all of those things combined, you can really produce more force and rest a little bit, uh, accessing your anaerobic energy system to produce maximum speed and power over hilltops, for example. So standing is a good skill to have. It requires practice and core strength, no doubt. Um, I would start, if you're not used to it, with 15, 30 seconds at a time and take it from there and build from there. So yesterday on the um, strength steps workout, I did everything standing. Um, if you want to take a look at uh, posture on the trainer on uh, how you might do those, you can uh, go back to the live stream on the uh, Endurance Lab Facebook page and uh, take a look at it. Absolutely. Some really good points there. Two things I had for that, Taylor. Um, as far as um, standing, I feel like, um, and you, you guys may agree, that a lot of times people associate standing with either sprinting or an increase in effort. But what we're looking for people to understand is they could actually stand and keep that same zone or that same level of power, just like we did in the workout for the two minutes. You can switch between the one and the two minutes to be able to stand and stay at that um, same SST level or that same percentage of FTP. And that's where you're going to find that you get that release. Because a lot of times people just spike in power. I see it all mm -hmm. the time. And then you end up using more energy versus getting the, the rest that you need. Um, and that's important for people to understand and being able to make that transition up and down is important. Um, I wanted to ask, ask Mitch and Andrea, um, as triathletes and having kind of those longer um, times on the bike and using the air position, um, do we find um, some of our athletes um, that are triathletes also using this sort of thing standing or do they just use it on climbs and that sort of thing? What do you guys find? So I've also got a little bit of a background in mountain biking. I, I did that for a few years before I got into triathlon. and. And, you know, I actually really developed a lot of skills around climbing in a seating position. Um, mm -hmm. So I really avoided getting out of the saddle a lot. And it was actually a, <laughs> a point of humor when we did one of the early uh, workouts last year that involved uh, standing intervals was you could just see how uncomfortable I was. Um, oh, I remember this one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, for me, standing was really to, to maybe let blood flow back into different areas that weren't receiving it as I was seated or in an arrow position for a while. Um, so it was really a comfort thing and kind of just to, to get a break. So no, I mean, I didn't have much experience standing at all and, and really found that I could, um, you know, generally, you know, triathlons, the triathlons aren't uh, on the hilliest courses, at least not the ones I ever did. So Andrea, right, what's your right. thoughts? Yeah, I, I agree. But it's interesting. I didn't realize I grew up on a mountain bike as well. So I'm good to climb seated. Um, so if I need a break, I'll just change my cadence around, or, mm -hmm. which I'm getting better at because of the lab. And I'll just stretch my back by moving up from the aero position. So I haven't really needed that to, seems to, be to get okay. out of the saddle much. Yeah. No, I think it's good. Really, um, really good I think course. And we do have a few of them in Ireland, but I wouldn't be out for long. Gotcha. No, that, that makes sense. Um, so for those longer climbs on the road bike, um, I think that's where this kind of um, is more useful, where you're making the shift where, let's say, you're at 150, 150 let's say 200 watts, um, and you make a shift two gears down, and you stand up, and you want to keep that same 200 watts versus spiking up to 250. So keep a note for that, everyone listening in, and try that next time you're 
they're on the course on Box Hill, our favorite hill in London, or outdoors, so check that out. All right, let's make a quick transition here back to Andrea. We want to talk a little bit about nutrition for on her end. Um, I, we would like um, kind of pose to her questions about two-hour workouts and fasted workouts in the morning. So, Andrea, give us a little bit of information on how we can um, kind of approach these workouts coming forward to the end of the week. Yeah, I saw the comments on the forum talking about everyone's a little concerned about the workout. And I noticed one, one person anyway mentioned doing a lot of the lab sessions fasted. Um, and so now we're worrying about a longer session again. But for most, we need to put a bit of context around fat oxidation and, and, and being fat efficient. Most elite or really good athletes are eating before their training sessions because the concern is more the quality of the training session. And being fat adapted hasn't been shown to actually provide any performance benefit. It just means that if we're doing a long session, we may not need quite so many carbohydrates. So unless we have problems getting carbohydrates in, you know, we, we, there isn't a huge advantage to it. So the focus should really turn more onto the quality of our carbohydrates, the quantity and the timing. So for sessions that involve strength work or any intensity work up around FTP, I would be recommending to have a little bit of fuel before the session, some like some oats with some Greek yogurt. So you're getting the carbs and the protein, a nice slow release. Um, the be the steady state high fat high protein um, but for the two hour session I would be recommending to eat something before it and a nice balanced meal either eggs on some rye bread or some whole grain bread with maybe some avocado or oats with some yogurt like I mentioned and some berries and seeds and you should be good for the two hours to not really require anything extra apart from hydration and electrolytes However, some of the less experienced cyclists that haven't got quite so many years under the belt may find that their efficiency isn't quite there. So they may want to eat something towards the latter half hour of the session if they're feeling that they're fatiguing. So try and listen Man, to your body. I, I want to have, <laughs> have breakfast at Andrea's house in the morning. <laughs> Sounds really good. <laughs> Me too. Um, I definitely, yeah, I, def I definitely agree. Um, these longer workouts, um, having a little bit of preparation um, beforehand or having food available could be useful. This is not, not a time to test how long you can go um, without food or out without feeding. Um, so have the food in, um, test the kind of foods that you'd like. This is a good opportunity to kind of see if there are things um, like timing intervals of how often you want to fuel, that sort of thing. You can kind of test these. This is the workout to do it. Um, it is a good amount of time, um, and you can use this time to kind of practice. This is not a time to see how far you can go without um, any food or water. Um, zone 2 workouts, things like that, lower intensity, yes. Um, but the workout that we have with the SST and close to threshold, I do not think um, that is a time um, to test this. And I know Mitch had a question about um, portables. Uh, Mitch, what, what was that? For Andrea, for as far as nutrition goes, yeah. So I, I pulled out the Feed Zone Portables book yesterday, and I was I was looking at it with you know this question in mind, and and you get into some of their tables, and I recognize those are for more um, more adapted and experienced athletes, but they were suggesting that if you actually get down into what the the muscles can hold as far as glycogen in your lower body, focusing on you know the muscles actually at work, that for a two hour this kind of two hour workout 
you may have, I mean, you may have kind of just enough glycogen that you don't really need to refuel. And that's if you're on a moderate to high carbohydrate diet. I just wanted your, your thoughts on that, Andrea. Not to put you on the spot. Yeah. We're all going to be a little bit variable around how long we can go. But I would say, why would you want to push it to the end? Because at that point, you're going to start metabolizing your muscle protein and you're undoing part of your strength work, which you've been working really hard at. So you'll know when your blood sugar levels start to dip down, you're, you're struggling a little bit more with power. So ask yourself then, am I thirsty? Is it electrolytes that I'm looking for? Or should I add in a little bit of carbohydrate? So some people in that last half hour may, and a lot of that will depend on what they did the day before. And Thea made a great comment. Eat some good carbs the evening before so that you've mm-hmm. topped up your liver stores mm-hmm. um, and you're recovering well from the previous day. The sweet potato, the rice, the millet, the buckwheat, um, even regular potatoes. Um, you know, they, there's so much talk online about staying high fat, avoiding carbohydrates, but carbs are an athlete's friend when it comes to high intensity work or long work or you, you need some. And then your focus should be on let's make them nutritious. So I'm getting carbohydrates with goodness in them. Absolutely. Yeah, I feel like that's a conversation. Yeah, I think I, that's. The conversation that we have with a lot of our athletes, making sure that they're fueling. And um, with the group that we're with, a lot of us um, ride early in the morning. Um, so a lot of times a couple hours before is not possible. So an emphasis in making sure that they're getting that good food in that you're talking about, Andrea, the night before is important because then at that point, um, your stores are full overnight. And maybe just a small top off in the morning could be useful before you start the workout. Um, and, I think, and I think that can get a lot of people through. So really great there. All right, so now on to the question that a lot of us have been um, kind of trying to answer and a lot of you lab writers have kind of been pondering over the week. Um, we wanted to talk about the approach this week of longer rides or races um, like this Endurance Lab um, 2054 that we have on. Um, if you haven't looked at it, um, it's 20 minutes on, 5 minutes off, times 4 um, scheduled for this week. So um, Mitch and Ian have a couple notes um, put together about how to get through these workouts. Um, I, was, I have been working with Ian and Mitch um, long before the Endurance Lab. Um, I'm one of the creators of this 2054. There's also a 30-minute version of this um, that goes essentially 90 minutes long. Um, so definitely things that they've done before in the past, but um, let's kind of go over what um, Mitch and Ian had put together. So Mitch, bring it to us and tell us how we're going to survive this weekend. Yeah, sure. So why don't we start off really quick, just so with a, a quick primer again on sweet spot training, right? So what is our sweet spot? It crosses over two zones. It covers the high end of tempo and the low end of the threshold. So it's at 85 to 93% of your FTP. And the reason that this is so effective is that it hits a number of key physiological areas in a short amount of time. So you get a huge bang for your buck. So if you're like me and you don't have a ton of time, you know, two hours or, or two and a half hours on a, on a Sunday or Saturday morning is really pushing it. This is a, a great workout for this time of year. Um, you know, you end up building your mitochondria base. So that's a key to having a strong aerobic base, increase your lactate threshold. So it helps you handle more intense efforts, um, increase your muscle glycogen storage capabilities. So you can store more energy and actually increase your VO2 maximum. So you raise your physiological potential. Um, so this is all sort of a, able to be accomplished in that two to three hour workout when we get into these longer sweet spot sessions. The other key thing here is that the recovery time isn't quite as long as if we did a a really long workout with a lot of like high intense efforts. 
Um, and then also you'll see that the way that we've structured this and a lot of people structure these workouts through a season or through a block of training is that we start shorter and then we get longer, right? So we started with shorter sweet spot efforts and we're moving longer. And as Jason said, you'll eventually get to where you're doing three by 30 or maybe even longer, depending on what you're doing. Um, one of the key points I thought was really interesting that I hadn't thought of that was brought up in the forum is that this is a, a great chance to practice other aspects of our training. So a great chance to sort of look at this like a race, even though it's not, it's not the same intensity, but it's a chance to practice things around that race, like getting to sleep at a good time out of the night before, having that evening before meal like um, Tad just spoke about, um, you know, the pre-nutrition in the morning, getting up before the workout so you can actually get the carbs in your body like Andrew was talking about ahead of the workout. Um, and then if you're actually into triathlons, it's uh, the workout itself is a great time to practice other aspects like your arrow position, right? So when you're doing the sweet spot intervals, be in the arrow position and get used to riding long extended periods of time in that arrow position. Some of the other questions in the forum were, or how do you manage these workouts kind of on a, on a more personal or, or a more kind of quality or dealing with the environment? Um, some suggestions that we've had and Ian came up with were um, music. And Ian's got a, a great sense of humor. So, you know, his comments here were, be careful on the playlist. Don't choose music that will over or under stimulate you and cause you to go above or below <laughs> your, your targets, right? So so find that kind of uh, playlist that's uh, that's sort of, you know, sort of tempo, but not quite too much tempo. Um, you know, I do this too. I watch uh, TV shows or movies on these longer workouts. Yeah. Um, he says, you know, avoid the... Uh, um, you know, the really crazy movies in this workout, um, as we talked about before, pre-plan your hydration and nutrition needs. Have everything with you that you're going to need for those two or three hours when we're doing these longer workouts. Have them with you within arm's reach of the bike. Um, make sure you're using a fan. Uh, for, for any of you folks out there who don't use a fan on your indoor training, I don't understand you. Um, I always have a fan going, and if I start a workout within five minutes without a fan, I'm, I'm really like kind of um, hating myself. And then the last thing is, and we talked about a few weeks ago, as far as taking care of your equipment, make sure you have towels around your bike um, over the handlebars to catch your sweat and make sure you're wiping down and cleaning up after. Quick comment there on the uh, fan. Your body is going to be working harder if you don't have a fan and you're sweating because your body's trying to get rid of that heat, right? And also the sweat that's covering your skin. So that's why it's good to have the fan there to... Uh, dry you off so your body uh, doesn't have to work harder than it needs to. Oh, I remember last season when Teo was doing heat, adapt heat adaptation for like a week or two. Remember that? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. That was like pure <laughs> that was really suffering. Like, I think I was doing a little bit of it at that time, and it was just dropping down. It was just painfully like having to drop zone. So there's such a huge difference between trying to move air around your guys' body. So really keep um, a note for that. Um, and a quick note, going back, a note on um, Sweet Spot, Mitch did a great job of covering what it is and how it's important, but really understanding that this is your bang for your buck all throughout the season and even moving forward of what's going to get you your fitness. You know, we don't have time, um, a lot of us, to do the 10, 15 plus hours um, of the Zone 2 work that we need. Um, we use Zone 2 a lot in our kind of... Um, layout as recovery work um, and still getting some work in, but SST is our bread and our butter. It's the thing that's going to make you stronger and the thing that you'll be stronger at and it's going to get you to the end of your race 
whether it be mentally or physically, both of those combined together are going to get you to um, the end of the race there. Um, um, for Andrea, have you done longer SST um, workouts like this um, in your previous um, kind of training, or is this kind of your first go at kind of longer SST efforts like this? We'll see if we can round back to her um, at the end. So, Mitch, was there anything else left um, um, on that question there? No, Are I you think. Asking uh, me? Sorry. Oh, yep. There's Andrea. Sorry, there's Andrea. Yeah, Andrea. I'm sorry. It was a little bit more direct. I was wondering if you had any input on um, longer SST sessions you have done, um, and if you felt that some of these things kind of uh, pertained, or if you, what are your experiences with kind of longer SST efforts? Yeah, I've I've done ones about this long or longer, or I've had a run bike run or a bike run bike. Mm. I've had some crazy long variations, but actually, interestingly, neither of us here in the house train with fans. Because we have to get used to racing at Kona conditions or South African conditions where our bodies just have to get used to getting hot. Right. And then we'll, we'll watch the heart rate drift, you know, when the heart rate starts to, to climb up. But So I suppose that's harder training, but with a purpose to make it easier for tolerating heat. Right. And that's another variable, you know. Um, whether it be mental, trying to adapt to heat, nutrition, all of those things. So everything has its place and kind of working into those things, whether it be heat adaptation or figuring out your fueling during these long workouts. Those are all things that you can integrate during this time. All right, let's move on to um, the Lab Rat of the Week. Um, uh, Taya, um, you've got some information and who it is for us this week. Yeah, so uh, this week we have Dean Telson. He has been very engaged in all aspects, really, of uh, the lab and training. So Dean is a more experienced writer, and he has been sharing his point of view on all of the topics, really, nutrition, workouts, and also his uh, season plans, and interacting with other lab participants and uh, sharing his experience with those as well, which is so valuable because this is uh, not only the point of view from the coaches, but also from the athletes that is uh, enriching to everyone who participates in the lab. So he, Dean has been taking um, the initiative and being very active in all of those topics, asking questions, making comments. And uh, some of his comments involve how he's seeing results in the form of stronger legs um, and how training has been also positively affecting other areas of his life, such as work and uh, he's seeing the overall benefits and, his comment this week was also that he is really learning and training with so much more confidence as a result of uh, participating in the lab. So, Dean, you have been outstanding. Uh, kudos to you. You're the lab of the week, lab rat of the week. <laughs> uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's been on and off um, racing for about 15 years, um, and I think just in the in the um, last couple um, years, training with um, ODZ and kind of getting connected to us, and then. Um, subsequently, the endurance lab, he's really gotten a good handle of kind of what kind of structured training it takes to get stronger. I mean, he's talking about even just from last winter, losing about 12 pounds, getting some really structured training um, and balancing that. I know he works um, for the uh, Department of Defense doing like radio frequency and microwave stuff. So definitely high stress um, work on his end. Um, but balancing that um, and, you know, his fun things. I know he's got some cool pictures of him in the rock and roll band from back in the day. I know he's a big music guy. I, but yeah, so great job, Dean, balancing this all off, and a great example too of the other 
lab writers on um, how things can get balanced and um, the interaction and the most that you can get out of the lab. Um, so great job there. All right. So our next our next part of the uh, um, coach's corner is the on the horizon. Um, so we've got a couple things coming up. So Taya, start us off for what's going on next week. So next week is the last week of the six weeks lab, and uh, we're going to be doing some high cadence work as well as another long SST workout to to close out uh, the week. We um, Obviously, you're going to have the uh, strength workouts as well, combination exercises, uh, body crusher, and the tabatas. We're going back to those. Yeah, and if you notice, this is um, this, this is the lineup that you had the first week of the lab. So hopefully, you'll get a chance to see um, how you have improved and um, how you um, are recovering afterwards. So hopefully, all the things that Ian promised us, you know, the six-pack abs, the strong arms, the nice legs, will all be done in the six weeks, right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm supposed to have a, a six pack by now. It's there somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> and incorporating season goals uh, because some riders will have some events early in the spring. Um, those might not be their A events or their peak events for the season, but nevertheless, they have some races at the beginning um, in the spring and then their A events or Big events and races are later in the summer, June, July. And so the questions were, how do I incorporate that with the base phase lab? And depending on, of course, each of those individuals' uh, goals, uh, the answer might be adapting the current base phase plan with a couple of workouts um, or treating those early season races as B races. J-Floor, are you back? Yeah, I think so. Can you hear me now? Yes. We hear you great. Oh, okay. Okay, excellent. So, um, yeah, I couldn't find the six-pack. I went around <laughs> in the garage. It's not here. <laughs> so, sorry about that. <laughs> so, um, I think that's where we left off. I know you had a couple comments there, but if we can just cycle back um, so that uh, um, Bob can bring it back um, there, Taya, she can, he can um, stitch it all together here. So, you're just talking about um, or you, you can pick up again? Yeah, so we were starting, we were uh I made the comment about next week, what to expect, and then we were commenting on rolling this lab into the next one, and some of the questions we had in the lab about uh, early season goals that some of our writers have, and how they could incorporate that into uh, the base phase lab uh, when they're doing those. Yeah, and I think some of the comments, um, or some of the ideas that we had as far as overall comments in this lab is just just to getting a good understanding of what the stress is. Now you guys are probably understanding that it's not about the hours you ride on the bike, but it's about the intensity that you put onto the bike um, and how that kind of pans out versus what our FTPs are and the amount of stress. So whether you're on basic or premium, you should be able to get this gauge of information to be able to um, let um, yourself know kind of how much work you've done. And we're going to continue that and we're going to grow on that. And really we just built the foundation to kind of increase that stress over time. So for a lot of more experienced riders, you may feel this wasn't a lot of stress, but we did a lot of strength training, which is really hard to kind of equate to how much stress you're putting into versus the bike. Um, but as we get more bike um, stress in on top of the strength, we're going to kind of balance that and help you for that. So definitely look into that for the next lab. Um, and one question that we have also had is about season goals and incorporate, incorporating those with the next lab. Um, my fastest riders in your life keep um, their season goals in in check but also keep their indoor rides or their focused structured work in 
um, their schedules. And one of the reasons why um, is because that's what keeps you fast all year. How many times have we had, you know, athletes you know, do work through the winter, get super strong, and then when it gets warm, um, they all run outside and they do group workouts, and then all of a sudden they kind of just taper off and are kind of just a ho-hum plateaued um, year. And a lot of times it's because outdoors, as we know, um, is a great outlet for us to be able to be engaged and be with our friends and get workouts that way. Um, but our fastest riders, you'll find that they come inside and they do the work, whether they tell everybody they're doing the work or not, but these are fastest riders will still have structured work. And that's what we're going to be providing for you guys as we move forward into the base, into the base season and into build season as we even move forward into spring. So start thinking about those season goals and see how we can integrate that. And that's something that we can help uh, um, you guys with as we move forward. Okay. Um, so with the group workouts, did um, Taylor, were you able to mention what we've got going on this week? Um, who's, in the, who's in the module this week? We have not talked about that yet. So uh, we're going to have some group workouts in Zwift. You can catch Mitch on Tuesday at uh, 5.30 Eastern for the high cadence workout. Stefan will, is going to be doing the Thursday workout at uh, 5.15 a.m. Eastern. Uh, that's another high cadence. And uh, I'll be leading a um, actual, actually a VO2 workout, the VO2 335, which is not part of this current lab. It's part of uh, another lab, but that is going to be at noon on Thursday. Yeah, that's and I think that... US. I think it would be a great preview of kind of um, that leg opening work that we'll be doing kind of moving forward. And for that high cadence um, 2110, um, it's essentially two minutes of high cadence work uh, at above 100 RPM at about um, at just the low, low end or the floor of sweet spot with one minute rest in between. Um, so definitely has got a lot of high cadence work there. And then ending the workout with um, one minute single leg drills. Um, at that lower 60% FTP. So this is a workout we haven't done before. Um, definitely clean new um, and something looking um, pretty interesting for next week to kind of wrap all of this up. If you have not signed up for the next lab, definitely check that out. Um, it is going to be um, a great time. We are going to continue all the resources um, that you've seen in this lab, um, including, um, you know, the mental consulting and Andrea on board. And we've got things that we're going to be rolling out um, that will just amaze you and wonder how how we have the time to make all this stuff happen for you guys. So, <laughs> so definitely look out for that um, coming up next week. Um, I want to thank all the coaches for coming in today. Was there any last comments um, for you guys or um, your last tip as we all go into the weekend and, and go into this long SST workout? I think everybody should be I'm going to throw a challenge. Oh, <laughs> sorry, Sam. No, 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 that's here. I was going to say, I think everybody is uh, is ready for these longer workouts. They've been building up to it. So uh, be confident that you can do it. Yeah, I agree. Absolutely. Yeah. Andrea, what did you have? Andrea, did you have something too? Oh, I lost it. Is this my chance to chat? It is. It is. Go. Go ahead. I was going to throw out a challenge to everyone to address this week and try and roll it on to behavior changes. One, a positive one about where, I, where can I get better? For example, should I make overnight oats or how can I change my breakfast or how do I need to get more veggies in? You know, just a simple, simple positive change 
for the week and then moving forward. And then one negative one, what are your obstacles or your limiting beliefs around, around your food? So an example could be changing snacking in front of the TV or finishing off your children's dinner or eating while driving or having sugar-laden coffees, you know, just something, one small thing and try and do one small thing to, to change your behavior in both a positive and to quit a negative every week. That's my challenge. Oh, man, that's, that, that can definitely be tough. So, yeah, a great challenge to put out there. Continue on the, the role that we have of our, um, your, our New Year's um, talks that we had from last week. Excellent, excellent. I want to thank again the coaches for coming in today. Um, I know you've got everyone has busy schedules, but this is something great that we have out for our lab riders. For all the lab riders out there, um, good luck this weekend. We know you can do it. We have built you up to be able to do this, and don't forget, next week we've got another. So thanks again to the coaches, and this is Jason Flores signing off from the Coach's Corner. We'll see everyone else in the Endurance Lab.